So this morning we are in Psalm 124, and this morning I want all of us uh, just to give a clear answer to a simple question. And the question we are asking this morning is this, how are we supposed to respond to God serving us in Jesus Christ? How should we respond to the serving grace of God shown to us in the Lord Jesus Christ? We need to know the answer to this question because the way we respond to God serving us says, says a lot about us. Uh, it indicates whether we have truly experienced salvation by God. You see, salvation always changes us. It changes the way we live and it changes the way we respond uh, to God in every area uh, of our lives. The reason, of course, we are looking at this question today uh, is because we have come to Psalm 124, right? As we continue our series in the Psalms of Ascent. Now, this psalm in front of us, which we just read together, was written by King David. So this particular Psalm of Ascent was written by David. And it was written at a time after the people of Israel had just faced a deadly attack from their enemies. That's the context of this. How do we know? Well, just look at verse 6 and 7 there, in front of you there. It says this, Blessed be the Lord, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped. It's just happened. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. So it's very recent, this attack, and God had rescued his people. Now, we cannot be 100% sure when the attack took place, but we know it took place in David's time, and we know that it took place very early, I think, in the reign of David, because, of course, God later on established David. Um, so, and we think it's very likely this attack came from the Philistines in the early part of David's reign. We read in 1 Samuel 30, that just before David became king, the Philistines defeated and killed the first king of Israel, King Saul, and killed his three sons, including Jonathan, on Mount Gilboa. And later on we read in 2 Samuel chapter 5, we are told there that as soon as the Philistines heard David had replaced so as king of Israel, as a second king of Israel, they quickly threw everything at David. They tried hard to destroy him. And we read about those battles in the valley of Rephaim. But we read there in 2 Samuel 5 that God saved his people. He clothed King David in divine strength. And the enemies of Israel were defeated by God. The throne of David was established. And after God gave Israel victory in the valley of Rephaim, we think King David must have written this psalm as a response to that amazing salvation that God had worked for his people, Israel. And so this psalm answers the question we are asking this morning. How should we respond to God saving us? How should we, as God's people today, respond to the salvation of God? 
And David here gives us three answers. And the first answer that King David gives us, which is on your outline, is that we must respond by giving thanks to God. We must keep thanking God for saving us. The response to the salvation is thanksgiving. This is the key lesson King David wants all people of God to learn here. And it is summarized in verse 6. Look at that first part of verse 6. Blessed be the Lord. We just pause there because the word blessed means what? Praised. Praised. Why should Israel praise God? Well, verse 6 continues. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken. and The trap is broken. And we have escaped. In other words, Israel must thank God because he has saved them from their enemy. How great is this salvation, we ask? Well, verse 1 to verse 5 gives us the visual images, doesn't it? It gives us the visual images that just describe how powerful and dangerous the threat that David first from the Philistine. And therefore, by implication, how great the salvation that God then had worked for Israel to deliver them from such a dangerous threat. Let's read verse 1 to 5. David says this, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive like a monster when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Now, there is a fierce battle raging in the country at the moment, right? About rewriting history. Uh, people want statues and monuments uh, removed, and they want institutions renamed. Uh, it is historical, of course, cancel culture. But it, in some sense, it's the, it's the reasons are different for, for, for this battle raging at the moment, but it's actually nothing new. Every generation blames the one before, isn't it? One of the songs by the mechanics, I think, say, every generation blames the one before, right? I know my music, right? <laughs> every generation blames the one before. Every generation is prone to cancel the past. And sometimes they do it aggressively. When a new regime takes over, they get rid of everything, you know. You know, we saw that in Iraq, didn't we? Saddam's statues all removed after the American forces invaded. So that was cancelling history there, of course. But sometimes we often do it passively, just by forgetting the events that have taken place in the past. King David knew this, of course, so he has packed this psalm with powerful visuals and that lets this amazing deliverance of God from their enemy to sink in so that it can't really be erased. And what David does in this psalm cleverly is that he doesn't just tell them, give them these visuals. He uses the visuals to connect what has just happened to Israel's largest story in history. So that they, they should not just forget this event, but they should see this event as part of the ongoing work of God throughout history in terms of protecting his people. Because when we read verse 1 to 5, 
What David wants us to take away from this is this, is that we were outgunned by our enemies. We were nearly swallowed by them. And that should trigger something. It should remind us of, for example, when God swallowed uh, those who were involved in Korah's rebellion. And David is saying, look, it was almost at the time when Korah's rebellion happened and God opened up the ground to swallow them. That's how big the threat we faced. Just as Korah's rebellion was, was helpless against God, we felt helpless against our enemy. David is saying, we were as helpless before our enemies as Pharaoh and the Egyptians when God sent that mighty flag to drown them away. That's how helpless we felt against our enemy. We thought they were going to sweep us away like a flood. Our situation was that serious. But our God worked an earth-shattering victory against our enemy. He saved us from grave danger. And then he adds this in verse 6. Blessed be the Lord. Now, as, we, as David praises God for this amazing rescue that God worked for them, let us remember that this amazing rescue was not just a physical rescue. That's quite an important point. Because, you see, in the time of Israel, the physical battles that Israel fought against their enemy were not just physical military battles. They had vast spiritual implications for the people of God. The enemies of Israel fought against Israel in the name of their God. If it was the Philistine, it was Yahweh against Dagon. And if the Philistines had won, the entire religious landscape would have been changed. Israel would have had to live under them and worship their gods. We saw that in Judges, isn't it? Whenever God's people are defeated, what happened? The religion went out, of the, you know, the true worship of God went out of the window. And they were now worshiping what the Canaanites were worshiping. So when God works this victory here, when God saves his people, he's not, he's not just saving them from death, he is working a spiritual deliverance. He is saving them from spiritual danger. That's the big deal here, from losing their life with God. So the thanks that David is encouraging us to express here, they are not in just thanks for God saved me, for God saved us from death. No, David is saying, we must praise God because God has rescued us from spiritual danger. Thank God for keeping our life with him, for keeping his covenant promises, for saving us from spiritual danger, for enabling us to remain a people before him. And this is the connection for us this morning, because we are the people of God today. And just as God saved Israel from danger that threatened their spiritual life with him, we who now trust in Jesus have been saved from spiritual danger through the power of the cross. You know, the Bible says, before you became a follower of Jesus Christ, before you became a true follower of Jesus Christ, you were in grave danger. 
You are living under the power and danger of sin. Like all humanity, you were born as an enemy against God and condemned guilty before God. And the dangerous penalty of your sin was eternal hell. You were headed to a dangerous life of eternal suffering and eternal darkness. And you know what? There was nothing you could do to escape that danger of your sin. Your sin was like a great anaconda snake that had wrapped itself around you and it slowly and helplessly unstrangled you spiritually every day. In fact, every decision you made to fight against it just made it more and more worse. You could not break free from your sin. And you had no real desire in you to break free from it. Truth be told, you loved your sin. You loved it. And the devil made sure you stayed in it. You see, Satan had a stranglehold over your life. He worked relentlessly to keep you under his leash with all sorts of sins, all sorts of perversion. You were under spiritual oppression. You lived with the rest of humanity in certain spiritual slave camp. Under his lock and key. Wearing his spiritual handcuffs. And headed to hell. To everlasting damnation in hell. But God. God being so ginormously rich in mercy. Humongously rich in mercy. Because of his super duper love, which he loved you in Christ. While you were in danger, he saved you. God sent his Holy Spirit into your heart. He started warming your heart to the things of God. He convinced you that you are a sinner like the rest of us. He helped you to see that all the wonderful things that you do and you feel commend you to God are nothing but filthy rags before him. God helped you to see that even your best deed, your best things, are covered with the stench of death. So how can they commend you to God? God helped you to see that. He helped you to see that the only way for you to have new life with God is to trust in the saving death of the Lord Jesus Christ. To trust his death to cleanse you from sin. And by his grace, by his amazing grace, God gave you faith to repent. To believe on in the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave you faith to receive new life. And with that faith, God transferred you from the domain of darkness into his kingdom, into the kingdom of his beloved son. He rescued you from the danger of sin, the danger of eternal death, the danger of hell, the danger of living in Satan's spiritual Slave camp. 
He saved you from it. And what was true for Israel in Psalm 124 verse 7 has become true for you spiritually in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can say with verse, with Israel verse 7, 6 and 7, Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to the teeth of sin, death, hell and Satan. We have escaped. I have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The trap, the snare of Satan has been broken. I have escaped from spiritual danger. And the amazing thing is that, beloved, God has not just saved you from spiritual danger. He's keeping you safe from any spiritual danger that now threatens to shipwreck your faith. You and I know that we have given ourselves into sin many times. Just think over the last week. And yet in all of that, in all of that, God never abandons you. He always picks you up, encourages you to repent before him. And he reminds you in his words, if you confess your sin, I am faithful and just to forgive you of one righteousness. It reminds you that your sin not in part, but the whole has been nailed to the cross. You bear it no more. The cross not only saves you from the past, but it saves you in the present and it saves you in the future. God always picks you up and steadies you. Satan never stops launching spiritual missiles to make you fall. He always has ways of discouraging you. He always has has a trap, a snare set for you. But he can never shipwreck your faith in Jesus Christ. And so Psalm 121 comes back to us, doesn't it? The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your strength and your right hand. That's the life of a believer. That is where you were, who you are now in Jesus. Rescued from spiritual danger. Kept safe in Jesus Christ. The question is, how should you and I now respond in light of that truth? How should our lives look like in light of that truth? If we have experienced it. Well, it should be like the people of Israel, isn't it? We must keep giving our thanks to God for his saving grace. We need to give thanks to God, not because it's rude not to thank him. It is rude not to thank God. But we need to thank God because he deserves our worship as God. Blessed be the Lord. You see, when we thank a person, we are saying to them, if it were not for you, my life would be worse. I owe my deep debt to you for your kindness. So thanksgiving in one sense is always an act of worship. And in this psalm, David is saying to us, there is only one person who truly deserves thanks. Blessed be Yahweh. If he had not been on our side, let Israel now say, if Yahweh had not been on our side, we would still be in spiritual danger. I said the word blessed means praise. It also means honored. 
So to thank God is to honor him as the one who deserves our worship. And so King David is saying, we must give thanks to God for saving us because we who have experienced salvation from God surely must worship him with our thanks. Beloved, a life that, is, that hardly thanks God for saving God, is that person saved? If a person never really thinks of God, never thanks God, never likes to pray to God, to thank him, never seems to be about thanking God, is that person saved? Has that person experienced the salvation of God? The answer, of course, is no. But my prayer is that this is not your situation here this morning. My prayer that your situation is that you have experienced salvation from God and that there is evidence of you thanking God in your life. And so David now says to us here, who are already have some evidence of thanking God, he says to us, keep thanking God for saving you. You must respond to what God is doing and has done by going on to thank him. Don't stop. If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel now say, let Israel now say, if the Lord had not been on, had not saved us from spiritual danger, then we would still be in spiritual danger. So let us go on to express our thanks in that way. And you and I know that, we know that we need to thank God. And so we are hearing this morning what we already know, I hope, if we are trusting in Jesus. But we need this reminder of Psalm 124 because sometimes we do not feel like thanking God. Let's be honest. I'm talking to believers. Sometimes we do not feel like thanking God. Sin and trouble in our lives can sometimes make us feel distant from God. We sometimes feel like our life is with God is stuck. There are those moments, isn't it? Perhaps in our spiritual journey, we have run over some sin. It has deflated our spiritual tires, we might say. Or maybe we have experienced some defeat in our life. We have experienced some loss. Perhaps bad health. Or the loss of a job. Or a very difficult relationship. These heavy circumstances make us struggle to lift our hearts before God in thanks. It can make our thanks to God feel heavy and hard going. And God knows that. That's why this psalm is here. That's why you are here this morning to hear this. To help you worship God with your thanks in the middle of difficult circumstances. He's saying, has you experienced a bad week? Has you experienced a difficult life? Has you struggled in many ways to parent, to care for relatives and so forth? Keep thanking God by remembering that he has already done the biggest thing you can ever want him to do. He has rescued you from spiritual danger. Whatever situation you're in, God has wrapped his protecting and caring love of you in Jesus Christ. 
And so friends, as we meet here this morning, my, my encouragement from this message is this, is that let us give God thanks. Let us continue to thank our wonderful Savior for saving us. For shedding his precious blood. For making us be able to say the Lord is on our side. Let us continue to thank God because his Holy Spirit now lives inside our hearts. And he's whispering in our hearts that we are free from Satan forever. Let us keep thanking God in difficult situations because we have escaped eternal hell. And our future is in the new heavens and the new earth where righteousness dwells. Let us give thanks to God that one day we shall see Jesus our God face to face. Without face masks. Face to face. Remember the faces? Right? Let us give thanks to God that never again are we going to be in any physical or spiritual danger. Never again will corona cross our path. Never again will sin cross our path. Never again will the powers of this age threaten the church. Let us keep thanking God for saving us. But of course this raises the question, doesn't it? How can I know that I am truly thanking God? How can I know I am truly thanking God? Well, this leads us to the second truth we learn in this passage briefly. How do we know that we are thanking God? Well, we show our thanks to God by trusting God today. We show we are truly thankful to God by trusting God, not yesterday, but today. You know, last year the government was criticized for praising the NHS. When at the same time, it was making NHS workers, some NHS workers, pay the £624 migrant surcharge. Do you remember the story back in March last year? The argument was simple, wasn't it? If the Prime Minister was genuinely thankful for the NHS employees, he had to do more than just clap outside number 10, right? He had to show it by not penalizing these hard-working NHS workers, charging them these 624-pound migrant searches. And of course, once the argument was made that it was hypocritical what the government was doing, it did not take long for the government to perform the U-turn. They scrapped the levy. And as we think about that incident, I think it, it illustrates a vital lesson David is trying to teach us here. It, it, it is telling us that true thankfulness is not proven simply by, by, by how loud we clap before God or how loud we sing our hymns, but by what we do, by our ongoing present trust in God. And that's what David is reminding us here. Because you see, as he comes to the end of the psalm, do you notice? From verse 1 to 7, it's been largely in the past tense, with the exception of verse 6. But as it gets firmly to verse 8, the, the tense changes of the psalm. Look what he says in verse 8. Our help, our present help, is right now in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. 
And by that statement, David is, if you like, encouraging the people to pledge their present trust in God. In this public hymn of thanksgiving, David is saying, he's saying, let us stand together, Israel. Let us stand together. Let us tell God we are trusting him now. And let us mean it. Let us tell him, all our spiritual eggs, as it were, are in the divine basket. You are our only help. We are worshipping you by thanking you for this, right? And we are showing we are truly thankful by trusting and resting in your care now. I just want to say that. If we learn anything from Psalm 124, we should learn this. We cannot separate giving thanks, worship, and trusting God. We can't separate these three things. Thanksgiving, worship, and trust. These three are bound tightly together, like Jerusalem. Right? When you are giving yourself to endless worry and fears about your life, about your future, about anything, you are not truly trusting in God today. Can we be clear about that? When you're worrying about anything endlessly, I do that. Can we be clear that if you're doing that, you are not trusting God today? Rather, you are trusting yourself. And the reason you're trusting yourself is because why? Why are you trusting, why are you trusting yourself? Well, according to David, the reason you're not trusting God is that you are not thankful for what God has already done for you. You have forgotten what God has saved you from. And if you have forgotten what God has saved you from, you are no longer worshipping God as he deserves to be worshipped. Because those whom God has saved must thank God for the salvation he has given them by remembering they have been saved from him. So if you're not doing that, you are not giving him the worship he deserves. And if you're not worshipping God as he deserves, you are an idolater. That's what this psalm is saying. Do you see the link? Do you see the thought that underpins it? Thanksgiving, worship, trust. And so this psalm, as we come to it, is challenging me, it's challenging you, it's challenging all of us here to examine ourselves. Am I living as a person who's truly thankful to God? And am I showing I'm truly thankful to God by trusting God in the now? This is a larring call, as it were, right, isn't it? <laughs> to look at your life. Are you running it or is God running it? Ask others to help you. We'll come to that in a moment. We need to examine ourselves. That's what David is encouraging us as we come to verse 8. Because if we just say our help is in the name of the Lord, we are lying if we are not truly trusting in him. So let us examine ourselves. Is there evidence in my life that I'm truly trusting in God? 
For some of us, that means to ask ourselves, have I truly repented and come to true saving faith in Jesus Christ? As I've, have I found refuge in Christ? For others, the question is, I profess faith in Jesus, but does my life show it? Am I trusting in him or am I thankless? Now, we are quick to say we are thankful to God for our salvation, aren't we? But the way you live shows whether you're trusting God. And, and, and David, well, you're thanking God. And King David is urging us to take this issue seriously. He's saying, be sure you're giving thanks to God by leaning on him every day. Now, the problem, of course, is that even though we can tell ourselves we need to show our thanks by trusting God, it is not always easy to do that. Is it? We can have a plan, but it doesn't work out. You know, the former heavyweight champion, uh, bo- uh, heavyweight champion of boxing, Mike Tyson, once said, everyone has a plan in the boxing ring until you are punched in the face. <laughs> That's what he said. That sounds like Mike Tyson, doesn't it? <laughs> everyone has a plan before they get in the boxing ring until they are punched in the face, right? I would like to suggest this is true of our Christian lives. We can plan to grow in trusting God until we are spiritually punched by trouble in life. Suddenly our trusting God is out of the window. We start looking to us instead of God. And and the Bible is saying when we do that, we are stopping thanking God. And actually we are becoming idolaters. So here is a question then which confronts us as as, as we look at this psalm, as we come towards the end of it. How do we grow in this grace of thankfulness to God? Especially when life punches us spiritually in the face, as it were. Well, according to David, we need our brothers and sisters in Christ to be in our spiritual corner, as it were. To nurse us spiritually back into the ring of life, right? To help us to thank and trust God in the middle of Difficulties, And that, this is just the final point uh, I want us to, re- to be reminded of in this passage. How do we do that? How do we grow in thanking God? Well, David says, we grow in thanking God by being together. So the first point is that we must keep thanking God for saving us. How do we do that? How does that look like? Well, we show that by, thank- by trusting God today. That's the second point. But how do we do this trusting thing so that we can truly be thankful, grow in thanking God? Well, we grow in thanking God, point three, by being together. That's what David is teaching us. See, this psalm is written to encourage the people of God to talk about what God has done to one another. The opening sentence of Psalm 124 says it. Look at that. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, right? And then David carries on, doesn't it? If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, they would have swallowed us up alive, and their anger, when their anger was kindled against us. What David is doing here is he's modeling how the people of God are to grow in thankfulness by him saying to Israel, and as people of Israel sang this hymn, they were to say it to one another. 
So King David is saying, look, the way we grow in thanking God is by talking to one another about what God has done in our lives and is doing in our lives. We are to talk to one another. We are to say, let Rob say, let Andrew say, let Becky say, if the Lord had not been on our side, we would have been swallowed up alive. So King David, the key application here, if you remember anything today, is that King David is urging all of us here this morning to actively remind one another in words and yes, in song and in worship, that God has saved us for himself. We grow in thanking God by reminding each other this truth of God. We are, as we have our conversations, we are to remind one another that God has rescued us from spiritual danger of sin, death and hell and Satan. We are to remind each other how God has saved us in Jesus. He has done it by his grace. And we are to point out specifically as we meet and as we worship together, how that saving grace is working out in our lives. We are prone to forget. We are prone to cancel God's history in our life. So we are here to joke each other's memories. To let Israel now say. To let the church say. We are to remind one another every, when we meet that we have first ways in our lives. And God has always been there for us. That God has kept us. When we are worrying about whether we are not making sufficient progress in Christ, we are to remind one another, no. Yes, you have stumbled in sin. And you must repent. But look at what you can't see. You have been growing here. There's progress here. Let Israel now say. Now, to be able to do this, to remind one another that we, that we are growing and that our God has not changed and that he still deserves thank in the middle of nightmare. Right? That we still to thank him no matter what situation we are facing. For us to be able to do that, of course, we have to spend time together. And we must take a real and genuine interest in what's going on in our lives. Because it's, it's, as we talk to one another, that's when we can ask the different ways in which God is working, has worked in the past week. And it's, it's as we talk to one another, that's when we can speak the words of encouragement. We can ask one another, how has God kept you spiritually and emotionally safe this past week? Or where have you stumbled? And as we talk and comfort one another, we are to direct each other to praying together, isn't it? To express our ongoing trust. We are to pray out verse 6 to verse 7. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prayer to their teeth. And then jump into verse 8. Our help, brothers and sisters, now is in the name of the Lord. And so we, ch- we talk, we chat, and we lead each other to pray. This psalm is a hymn of corporate thanksgiving. There are many psalms in the Bible for individual prayer, but this is not one of them. It wasn't a hymn to be sung by individuals, and we can use it for individual prayer, but just pointing out, it wasn't meant for that, necessarily. It was meant for God's people to sing it and encourage one another. And the key point, of course, is that to encourage one another to grow 
in this world, we must regularly gather in worship together. Because it is as we regularly gather together in worship and fellowship that we are able to encourage one another. That we are able to point one another to thank and worship God. And that means that as we come to the end of this psalm, we must all resolve, if we are to grow in thanking God, we must resolve to prioritize to continue being together. And of course, the reason the devil doesn't like us meeting is because the devil doesn't want us to thank God. He doesn't want us to grow in thanking God. But we know we need to grow in thanking God, so we need to prioritize to continue to meet together. You see, God has designed that the way you and I grow in thankfulness to him is not by ourselves, but it is through the grace of fellowship. What is God's answer to this psalm where he's given you the person sat next to you? Or a couple of rows from you, right? So let us today ask God to help us to prioritize worshiping together as safely as the Lord would enable us And let us ask the Lord to instill in us a sense of responsibility and and the wisdom to get alongside one another and to enable us to open up to each other. I think everything that I have experienced as a pastor, since I've been a pastor for over four years or so, has taught me that I am hardly ever worried about people I see on a Sunday. Because they are there. They are being strengthened by God himself through the means he has ordained, the means of fellowship, the means of worship. What causes me a lot of stress is always the people I don't see often. And so if we can just get this right, make this link between thanksgiving, worship, trusting, And of course, being gathered. If we can just keep gathering, then God will keep strengthening us. He will keep helping us. Because these are the means that he has provided. Well, may the Lord help us to thank God for serving us. To thank God for trusting him every day. And may he help us to do this together. Amen.